It's your Locked On podcast for Monday, July 25th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is going to talk about how other teams got done, what the Flyers could not. Really? Other teams are able to do stuff? It's a miracle. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date on our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all year long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, we are going to talk about some cap-saving moves that other teams made that the Flyers somehow couldn't figure out a way to do. Then we're going to talk about that blockbuster Flames-Panthers deal for Matthew Kachuk and Jonathan Huberto, amongst others, which just shows how you can get yourself out of a situation where you feel like you're losing your top players again something that the Flyers are not very good at these days. So Mm -hmm. that should be an interesting discussion as well. Then we'll wrap up with our nemesis of the week. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe over there as well. In the wake of Johnny Gaudreau signing with the Columbus Blue Jackets, Yarmo had some tough decisions to make because Line A's contract was up for renewal, but there really wasn't going to be room to keep him and a bunch of other players on the team. So what they wound up doing was giving Patrick Line a four-year deal at 8.7 on the cap on Friday, and then turning around and trading a really good player in Oliver Bjorkstrand to Seattle. They got a third and fourth round pick in next year's draft in return. And You know, that is an amazing deal for the Kraken to get a player of that caliber for, you know, just a third and fourth round pick. But the Blue Jackets were in a tough situation and you have to make tough decisions. And they decided to go with the Johnny Goudreau, Patrick Laine combo on their team. And you know that you have to give up something to get something. And they certainly got something in that Goudreau Laine combo to keep. And, you know, it's tough on everybody, but you do what has to be done here. And I think that's the main point. Right. So if I look at it from Seattle's perspective first, they were able to make the deal because they have cap space. Okay. The GMs that have cap space can do things. Flyers don't have cap space. They never planned for cap space. So that that was never going to be an option for them. As far as the other things, though, as far as Goudreau, like I just talked to Brian Hedger on uh, Off the Post. and. It was interesting because when you start start talking to other reporters from other markets, you find out their perspective. And his perspective was 
they weren't expecting to get Johnny Goudreau in that market. He doesn't even think Yarmo had any idea he was going to get Johnny Goudreau until, like Johnny Goudreau had said in a Barstool interview, that, hey, it would have been cool to play for the Flyers, but I didn't expect them to be able to clear the cap space. So, like, and I don't know if he meant that because it was hard or because of the GM or both. So, like, that's just Johnny being honest. And so that happened. And fair enough. He's entitled, you know? Yes, yes. But clearly he wanted to be a flyer. That was the first time where he finally said he wanted to be one. So when you look at the situation and say, and look, I'm a draft guy. I like to keep assets. But when you start looking at a a situation like Goudreau where he's 29, I think, and so you'd have him for a while. If you're going through a retool, you certainly would have him still at his best hockey through a retool and, and and then some. So based on that, if you don't want to give up that 2023 first, I get it. But you have multiple firsts after that, and you have other picks, and you have other prospects, and you have other things that you could have gone down a laundry list. And even if you, you know, guess what? Even if in that deal you had to give them Travis Sanheim, fine. Then you give them Travis Sanheim. Again, 100-point scores in this league don't come around very often, and most likely you're never going to draft one. That's the reality. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that given all of that, the fact that you are never going to draft one, as much as I love Travis Sanheim, and I think he's potentially the best defenseman on the team right now, you can draft another Travis Sanheim. Like, he is replaceable. You know, again, as much as I hate to say that, because I love him. Yeah, me too. he He is absolutely a replaceable player. And so if that's what somebody wants... Give it to him. Give him Cam York. That's right. a number one, a first round draft right. pick. You know, so you have to do I, it. You have to do it. You do. And I, I don't think it was an impossible deal to make. No. And it just goes to show you again from what Columbus was able to do here that these kind of moves are possible and they're possible. You know, clearing the cap space is possible after that initial rush. Right. of of trades and and signings in free agency like there is room here to make those sorts of moves you just have to have the will to do it right we pointed out a path you could have bought out jr if you lose sandheim's salary and maybe somebody else you might have had to trade somebody else but again that's okay because you're in the process of retooling the one guy you're gaining is still going to mean more to the team than the others you're trading. You get to that cap area where you're okay with it, and then you have to implement some young players. Yes, yes, you would. But in the end, this year wasn't going to be a good year anyhow. But if you brought in mm-hmm. Johnny Goudreau and coming off of next year as a rebuild year, and you know all of a sudden you traded some things at the deadline, and this time you actually looked ahead and kept some cap space, You'd be in a much better situation, but it apparently wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And I think looking forward that way, you know, it again brings you back to the idea of what was the plan here and not having a clear direction in terms of this rebuild versus retool. Because again, I think people, you know, if they got Johnny Goudreau as part of an aggressive retool, losing other assets is part of that process and is understandable, but they just wound up with nothing, which is just so infuriating. You just don't feel like, even if you think there's going to be some improvement defensively with Tony D'Angelo and a torts 
system marginally so I would say it it just doesn't even come close to the kind of impact that Johnny Gaudreau would have. Right. I mean, that's, you know, Hedger was talking, we talked about Adam Boquist, who uh, is over in Columbus, and they're hoping to just get some defense out of him. That's the same Mm -hmm. situation as D'Angelo, except Boquist isn't going to play top pairing for them. Like that's, you know, that's, (laughs) that's the important part. That's the important part. And that's so, you know, again, if you didn't spend that five million, and let's say it was Sanheim, well, there's your there's your money for Goudreau. Now, would your defense be a little bit of a mess this year? Sure, but again, it's going to be a mess anyhow. So what? Like honestly, like it was going to be a mess anyhow. But at least you might have scored a lot of goals, and eventually you could bring up some of the youngsters uh, maybe later in the year. Like there was a way to do this. And maybe nobody wanted Travis Konechny either because he's the other guy that, you know, could have been moved just for salary purposes. But none of that happened. We saw Max Pacioretty get dumped out pretty quick by by Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say Pacioretty is better than JVR. But again, the Flyers had two years to move JVR. And that's the real failure here. They've had two years to do it. They signed other players while doing it. Like they... They signed Ristolainen. They signed D'Angelo. So mm-hmm. they kept building on that cap number before they got rid of this guy. And I thought last year, and this is a big thing. We talked about this last year. I thought last year when they knew they were out of it, that they were going to start to gain some cap space. But they really didn't. They didn't. And this is absolutely 2020 hindsight here, but I almost wish that instead of paying to get rid of Shane Goss despair that they paid to get rid of JVR instead. Yeah, I mean, that is 2020. I mean, I'm not going to get That's him on why that I one. admit to that. Yes. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but still, it's I mean. I wish they would have done. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not outrageous to say. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, but just the whole way this is all done, it's just, it, it's done without a plan. So now when the coach comes out and basically goes against you know, what the GM said as far as what the planning was and Dave Scott. Now, you know, if you're a fan, you're kind of like, all right, I got to just listen to what the coach says and you ignore the GM at this point. Like I, if I'm a fan, that's the messaging. It's certainly questionable. All right. We are going to talk about that huge Matthew Kachuk trade and uh, the signing that happened as a result of it coming up next. But first, we're going to hear from our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find league reviews and news on every league, including Major League Baseball, and all the info leading up to next year's NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons. They even cover combat sports, esports, and golf, too. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports waging information from live betting to scores and podcasts and more. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. Head to the BetOnline website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so if you were one of the people that stayed up late, at least East Coast time, um, on Friday night, uh, super late, I think it was around 11, 1130? 15, 1130 yeah. Yeah. Eastern, where the blockbuster trade was announced, where Matthew Kachuk was traded to the Florida Panthers 
with a fourth round pick for Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, and the 2025 Panthers first round pick, which is lottery protected. Um, right. So it, it would convert to 2026. But this is a bonkers deal for many reasons. And I think it's high risk for both teams, mm-hmm. but high reward as well. So obviously, you know, Florida gets a high end player in Matthew Kachuk and, um, you know, given the situation that they were in, they had to give up a lot. Again, something that the Flyers seem to be less willing to do. Um, they did give up that first round pick. Florida doesn't have a first rounder until 2026 now. And they right. are willing to live with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, now they better win because otherwise it's not going to look good for Bill <laughs> yeah. Zito. That's a part of the process. But what I would what I would say to this is, the first thing is I'm not shocked he got traded, right? Like I think we talked about oh, it on the show. Yeah, like we, we knew. knew we knew he was not going to be there. I am shocked he didn't go to St. Louis. I'm not shocked that Bill Armstrong in St. Louis did not want to sign this kind of deal because this is like a poison deal. Like I get it, Tavares has it, but a lot of Leafs fans complain about the Tavares deal now and how you can't do anything with it. And well, you're not going to be able to do anything with this deal either. Now I get it; he's 24, but with the style that he plays, can you guarantee that in year eight? He's going to be really good still like that. You know, that's a question that's fair to ask. And with all the signing bonus won't matter. It, you know, right. if you turn, so if, let's talk through that deal yes. because to make sure it's clear, we know what we're talking about because yeah. what happened was that he signed that deal with Calgary so that he could get an eight year contract because right. Florida would not have been able to offer that to him. And then the trade happened after the deal but it is structured so it's only a million dollars in salary per year and there's various bonuses that add up to the total of the 76 million dollar contract so the first year it's a 10.25 million dollar bonus and i think in the last year it's around 6 million but um that makes the contract very hard to move and impossible to buy out right so I have to look at a few things here. Uh, and, and it was the first sign and trade like in NHL history. We knew it would happen at some point because it happens in the NBA every once in a while. Uh, but here's so here's the thing. So from Florida's standpoint, I get it. They got manhandled by Tampa. They feel like this is their way out of that. Uh, they get a guy who could, you know, score and handle himself and be a jerk on the ice and be physical and all those things. They did weaken their defense. Mackenzie Weger's a hell of a defenseman, mm-hmm. and now they've put more pressure on Aaron Ekblad. And so you kind of wonder defensively how they're going to make up for that. But again, they still have a very strong team. And maybe if they have a good defensive structure, they could do that. The risk there is it's the Florida market. They don't make a lot of money with fans showing up and everything else. Some may show up now for Matthew Kachuk. But again, if they start to falter in three or four years, this Florida market is going to be hamstrung with that deal and again, they don't pull in a lot of fans to to keep this franchise, you know, in great shape. So this is a tremendous risk. Uh, I think it's too risky of a contract for me. I would sign him to eight years. I just never would have signed him to this kind of deal where you can't be moved. But guess what? They probably wouldn't have gotten him without that. I get it. Mm-hmm. That's why he went to Florida, because he pocketed the most possible money. So it's a big gamble. Now, from the Calgary side, I don't know if they're going to re-sign Uyghur and and um, Huberto, I think they'll try. 
that's the huge risk there, right? Because both of those guys are on expiring deals this upcoming year. So they could end up with nothing. But at the same time... Well, they still have a first and they still have Cole Schwint. Schwint's a decent player. Uh, he, he might be a third liner in the NHL, just so people know. Right. But this first isn't for two more years. And so if, you're, look, if you're Calgary and you're looking at your window right now, because you've gone from a competitive playoff team before this deal knowing that Matthew Kachuk was on his way out and Johnny Goudreau is gone. Giant question mark if you can even make the playoffs at this point. So your return for Kachuk has to be solid and get you through the next couple of years before you can draft and develop more, right? So I I think that it's the risk is high on both sides here, but I think Calgary made the right move in doing this. Yeah, I Calgary considering they had their back up against the wall, they had to do something. So they had to do this move. Uh, again, if they don't get these guys re-signed, the argument will be at trading deadline, are you really a cup contender? You've got to really figure that out now. And it doesn't matter what Daryl Sutter thinks. He'll just have to be a, a big boy and figure it out. But if you're not really a cup contender, then you better flip those pieces. If you are, then... Like you said, you're going to go and try and win that cup. You're going to try and re-sign those players after. You may not get either one of them, and that's where you could really get hurt because if that happens, they're no longer you know, a big cup-contending team, and they're now in that sort of retooling, rebuilding mode instantly. It instantly puts them there. So that is the risk. Uh, but I, the one thing I'll say about Trip Brad Trier living is we all said when Goudreau was gone and we could see Kachuk leaving – that they probably were not going to be a strong cup contender and they are still a strong cup contender. So he proved us wrong on that one, but in the future, that's where it could hurt. Well, and again, bringing that back to Chuck Fletcher and what the Flyers are doing, that also shows that, you know, Calgary was able to do things to maintain a level of competitiveness, even in those dire situations that the Flyers were unable to do. Yeah, this was dire, folks. Like, this is, you lost mm-hmm. 200 points. 200-something points just walked out the door. You didn't replace the 200 points. You you got better defensively. Maybe you replaced 85 of them, and maybe with some rookies you'll get another 60 or 70. But now they're going to play a more defensive style because that's the way they're going to survive with good goaltending in that. And Sutter can oh, do yeah. that. I mean, that's they're going to that- completely change. And that's the thing is they have a tremendous goaltender locked up for the next several years. So that's something they don't have to worry about ostensibly. And so I I think that you almost have to go for it at that point because you want to be able to take advantage of that and stay competitive. And, and they managed to do that. Yep. They did. And we'll see how it works out for both. I'm sure Kachuk will be a big star in Florida, but what I'm really going to look for is, are people going to show up and watch him play? Because otherwise, this is where this deal could really hurt in the future because if they don't get great attendance and let's say they never make it to the Stanley Cup, you know you know, we could be reading about the Florida Panthers in five or six years and say, what's going on with this franchise? It's in trouble again. Now, I get it. From Bill Cito's perspective, he can't look that far down. He has to do the job that he's doing, and he's a former mm-hmm. agent, so he definitely worked every agent magical trick on this contract <laughs> and 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 now we'll see i mean this is this it, is it's definitely a test case for the it NFL. really is it is and i'm very interested to see if other contracts like this become more prevalent 
down the road or if people are going to look at this and be like, uh, uh-uh, and stay away from it. Yeah. I mean, again, the one thing you always have to look at, and this is what we end up looking at when we look at cap friendly is how many no trade, no moves or contracts like this does a team have? You can't do that many because you no. always have to give yourself the flexibility. Even if you want to be a winner, you always have to have an escape hatch. That's my feeling. Yeah, you do. And you, you really can have, I would say, like two contracts overall that are no move entirely. And then right. maybe one or two more limited at most. But, I, you know, I think that in a lot of circumstances, the teams are in a stronger negotiating position when they're signing these initial deals. So uh, but Kachuk was in a unique situation where he could demand this. Right. No, it's, it's definitely a unique situation. Uh, also, we have to also say that because the NHL has become this, oh, we've got to be big and tough league and good if we can, that it played right into his hands. Like he's that perfect player. If this were like six years ago when the league started to get faster and, you know, still a hundred point player, I still don't know if he'd have had the same negotiating power. I think it would be a little less, but now everybody's like, well, he's the unicorn. Like everybody's looking for this player. You know, it changed what the Canadians did in the draft. It changes a lot of things. And again, We'll look down the line in three years and see if this league is still like this big, tough, fast league, or is it starting to change over to something else? Because if it does, a lot of teams that are planning this way will be in trouble. And I'm not saying Florida will be in trouble with Kachuk. He's going to be good in any era. What I'm saying is... Could the Blank, Flyers be in trouble? <laughs> yeah, could the Flyers be in trouble for building it this way? Look at what mm-hmm. you know. Columbus gave Erica Branson, a guy who is big and tough, and block some shots, but they gave him way too much money in term for what he actually does on the ice. But again, we're now in a point where everybody's like wants a certain amount of big and tough guys. So, okay. Well, now they have somebody to protect the small point scorer guy on the team, right? Yep. All right. We are going to name our nemesis of the week coming up next. All right. If you are newer to Locked On Flyers, our nemesis of the week is something we do every Monday. We look at the week upcoming in the world of hockey and say, what's getting our goat? What is pissing us off? And uh, last week, we talked a lot about the summer doldrums in the NHL. We're in the kind of slower period, although it wasn't as slow on Friday night no. when we had that big blockbuster deal for Kachuk, but uh, at least in Flyers land, it's it's pretty slow right now. And just thinking about having to sit with that free agency season and and such for the next several weeks was my nemesis. And uh, I think that you know, based on what we've talked about in this episode. The nemesis I have for this week is the Flyers taking risks on the wrong things. And I think that, you know, when you look at that Florida Calgary deal, when you look at what Columbus did, uh, you look at what several other teams have done over the past couple of years. There are teams that have taken big swings and some have missed and some have have done good things. But I think the Flyers have taken risks on mediocrity and you can't like have a successful team like that. They, you know, they signed Risto to that deal for 5 million. They're taking a huge risk with Tony D'Angelo and mm-hmm. signed him for 5 million as well. And I think just the risk reward ratio just isn't there for those. And they see themselves as pushing it 
with those kinds of deals and making progress toward a better team defensively, but the evidence is not there. Yeah, I think if they had an insurance adjuster look things over, they would deny the claim. Um, that's just me. Uh, my <laughs> my <laughs> nemesis is is going to be again when the Flyers pretty much said they've closed up shop. Uh, and we see players getting signed, lesser players, bigger players. There's still moves being made. There's mm-hmm. AHL moves being made, but the Flyers are done, right? They they seem like they they filled the shopping list. They're going to wait till training camp and then see what else kind of falls in their lap. But they're not going to do anything else this summer. Like that's pretty obvious. And and that that has me because to me, you should be looking at this stuff every day as a GM, except on your vacation. You're allowed your vacation, but otherwise you should be looking at this. And even if you have to call in somebody to the office to say, hey, I just looked at this and I see this guy still out there. And let's just use the name. I don't know. Calvin DeHaan. Let's say you feel like you can get Calvin DeHaan for a million bucks. Well, what do we got to do to make that happen? Can I still, you know, trade Nick Sealer or Connaughton to somebody else and do something else so I could get this guy in here? Because I think he'd be better for torts than what we may have at the start of the season, you know. Are they going to do any of those kinds of things now? Or is this all going to be like a month before the season starts and they'll look at it again? And and that's what I think is going to happen. And and that to me is a bad precedent to set. Yeah, I think so too. It's just the inaction or the inability to even suggest that they're going to continue to look at things. Even if you don't, just say you're going to, to make right. it seem like right. you are actually continuing to work and, and make phone calls and take phone calls on, on players and such. And uh, it's just baffling to me. Um, I do want to add another side nemesis for the Uh-oh. week um, with San Diego Comic-Con happening this past weekend, all the big Marvel announcements that came out about phase five and six. Man, if you are not interested, just say nothing and move on with your life. Like, just trying to be negative about things that other people enjoy. Let people have their fun. Oh, I agree. Right? There were some things that made me excited. Um, yeah. Um, for whatever reason, the thing that I was most excited about on that list was the um, reintroduction or whatever they're doing with Daredevil with Charlie mm-hmm. Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, because that was a great series and he was terrific. Way better than Ben Affleck uh, in that part, by the way. Right. Yeah. So, and he's going to show up in the She-Hulk series. So OK, so there you go. There. But that's I'm happy for that. Like that made me happy. I was like, yeah, you know what? That's really good. I like that. Yeah. So if you don't like it, that's cool. Not everything has to be for you. Just you know, move along with your day and let people have their fun. Yep. All right. That'll do it for today's show. We will be back again on Wednesday. We are going to be talking to Scoop Cooper, who's a hockey historian, knows all about the Flyers. So we're going to dig into some Flyers history there. Should be a lot of fun. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockedOnFlyers. You can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. You can also comment over on YouTube as well. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. 
You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. You can stay up to date on everything in the hockey world with Locked On NHL. Have a great day, everyone.